as the southern gate. And the left ear is the northern gate. The gates on the eastern side. The eyes. Nose. And mouth. Are thus. I'm reading the purple. Two nostrils and a mouth, all together five, are situated in the front. The right ear is accepted as the southern gate and the left ear is the northern gate. The two holes or gates situated in the west are known as the rectum and genital. So we've got two eyes, two nostrils and a mouth. That's five, situated in the front. The right ear, which is a sixth hole, and there's a seventh hole. So this is the southern gate. And the left ear is the northern gate. The two holes or gates situated in the west, down the bottom, are known as the rectum and genital. Purple, of all sides, the eastern is considered most important. Primarily because the sun rises from that direction. The gates on the eastern side, the eyes, nose and mouth, are thus very important gates in the body. Hmm. That's all pretty straightforward. So here we're, we're getting a description of the gates, the different gates of the body. 
and the directions which they represent. Prabhupada says that of all sides, the most important is the eastern side. Which for us is over here somewhere, east. We're not exactly, we're not, the temple's not facing the cardinal directions. That's a bit offside. The most important direction is the east, because from the east comes the sun. And why is the sun important? The sun is important because it gives light. If we didn't have the sun, where would we be? The problem would exist. The sun is one of Krishna's two eyes. The sun and the moon are described as being the eyes. And uh, uh, through which one gets vision, sight. And of course, um, being able to see things clearly is essential for life. Life itself is dependent on sight. And of course, the sun is pretty much, we could describe the sun as being the source of all life. The sun and the moon. So, uh, in the various directions of the body, uh, there are the eyes, the nostrils, and the mouth are situated on the eastern side. So this is the eastern side of the of the body. Then on the southern side is the right ear, and on the northern side is the left ear. Right? And then in the western side are the rectum and the genital. The two holes or gates situated in the west are known as the rectum and the genital. So east, west, east, west, east, west, north, south. Obviously, 
the, the, the eyes and the nose and the mouth is through which we engage with a lot of the world, a lot of our consciousness is focused on what we see. You know, even in the English language, we have this, this statement, seeing is believing. Well, if I haven't seen it, then I don't believe it. Of course, as I've heard people say recently, none of us can see the coronavirus. Uh, but we all believe in it. Huh? So, seeing isn't always believing, because there's a lot of things that we can't see that still exist. Right? You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Right? You can't see it. You can feel it, but you can't see it. So, um, seeing, and especially in our interaction with the world, with everything that we do, the, 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 the face is considered to be the most prominent and the most important part of the body. Well, as is indicated by, this, by these statements, the face is, if I, want, if I want to know you, if you want to know me, then you look at my face. Right? <clears throat> and, and proper quotes even that face is the index of mind. And the mind reveals the inner workings of the of the man. Right? Uh, like Papa says, you know, uh, well, Krishna explains what are the qualities of a person who's situated in transcendence, a stita dear muni. Right? A dear muni. There are different types of munis, and Papa quotes that. Uh, if a muni doesn't think differently, there's a Shastri quotation of quotes in, in the Bhagavad Gita where it, it, it's described that if a muni doesn't think differently from everybody, from all the other munis, then he's not a muni. Right? And that's not to say that we all think the same. Uh, I was looking at a video last night by Krishna Chitra. And he was talking, quoting Sri Prabhupada. Prabhupada wanted independently thoughtful men and women. So not that we all think the same. But there are certain qualities of a sita hiramuni, in other words, a bhakti, a bhakti yogi, that distinguish their character from others. And, and, uh, uh, that character is such that they are always thinking about service to Krishna. They're always fixed. Their mind is always fixed on service to the Lord in, in the various items and, and practices of, of bhakti or devotional service. And, and um, uh, 
Prabhupada mentions that one of the most important qualities of a person is how they what? What's the first qualification that we're looking for? To determine what the quality of the, of the man is. What's the first qualification? How they speak. Yes, how they speak. And, and Prabhupada makes the point that a fool isn't revealed until he speaks. Right? A man may be very well dressed and appear as being very smart. Huh? You know, there's that saying, don't judge a book by its cover. My father used to take us to the library every Tuesday when I was, I don't know, from the age of six or seven, maybe maybe five, but no, probably not, not reading that. But once (coughs) me and my brothers were adept at reading, and my father would take us, and of course we read many of the books in the library for kids, and then my father would. And, and you know, it was easy when the children's books had got fancy pictures and stuff, so it was easy to find a good book. But then as, the, as things got more complicated, then the covers of the books were not only a good indication of what the book was. I remember often, my father would say, here, this is a good book, you should read this. And I'd look at it and I'd say, ah, I don't like that. <laughs> didn't, like the, didn't like the cover. So, um, similarly, judging people just by how they look is not a it's not a good test of a person's character, and especially everybody knows how to dress up and look good, right? Not difficult to present yourselves as being very together, but in actual in actual fact, you're a complete mess. So, how do we test the qualifications of the the devotee? How do we test the qualifications of anybody? And and again, illustrating this point that this part of the body is the eastern side is the most important side. Because that's where people speak. Right, the mouth is there. And we can test the person's, we can test the quality of the person by how they speak. Right? Because what they say will be an indication of what? What is this? What is the speaking representative of? Their thoughts. Their thoughts. Yes, what are they thinking of? Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> if you lived in country Australia, <laughs> or even in a city, they yeah, nah. <laughs> so, um, 
the quality of a man or a woman, anybody, the quality of a devotee is is tested, right? Is tested by how they speak. And Prabhupada makes a point in the Bhagavad Gita. In fact, or indeed, a fool is not revealed until he speaks. So, well dressed man, but um, still a fool. Right? So, um, we we can further text because it is also possible to just speak uh, platitudes or it is possible to speak and um, still not fully reveal everything of the character. Right? And so therefore we also test what a person says and what a person does. Right? There is a further test. A further test. But, um, based on this, you know, the eyes, the nose, and the mouth uh, are um, very, um, they're considered to be in the most, in, the, the most important uh, direction, the easterly um, direction. And, and in which, you know, um, these, the eyes, the nose, and the mouth, because with mouth comes taste, right? So this is very important senses by which or through which we engage with the material energy. Right? Seeing things, smelling things, right? One of the symptoms of the COVID-19 is that people lose their sense of smell, which is very interesting. You know, sometimes when you get cold, you lose your sense of smell. It's a, some, what do they call it, olfactory glands or it's quite a, this, this, the face is a very complicated mechanism, extremely complicated mechanism, uh, when you think about it. You know, because we can tell a person's, we can tell a person's thoughts by the way their face works. I remember when I got that, uh, what's it called? Palsy. Um, I forgot my first. And, and, uh, I, I lost a, the sense in my left side. Bell's palsy has symptoms. It, it has symptoms as if you had a stroke, but it's not. It's a little freak out. Because you know, I wake up. I wake up in the morning and I try. You know, when you clean your teeth, you spit, and I try to spit, and and you know. We're all, what's going on here? What's happening? And, um, and it, 
uh, I, ha I had had a very, very, very small cold sore the week before. Very, very small, but it was sensitive. And so that's where it came from. It's a viral, again, a viral infection that exists that is floating around everywhere. And, uh, and it goes away pretty much of its own accord. But it inflames the nerves. And so the nerves, there's, there's holes here in the cranium where these nerves come out and manage all of your face. Right? And so when it gets inflamed, then the passage of, uh, of the flow of, you know, the internal electricity that's going on in the body, to see how subtle the, the body is, how subtle a machine it is. Right? And so because of that information, then the nerve, the nerve signals to the muscles of the face stop working and then the face will drops down and you can see that my face will slightly out of shape. Right? So very, very, very subtle mechanisms going on. So you know, somebody's smiling, somebody's frowning, all of these, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, indicators, they're all indicators of how, that's how we, it's how we communicate too, right? We, 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 we communicate through facial expressions, especially in the Indian culture. You know? <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a whole physiognomy of facial communications. You can probably have, you can probably have a conversation without saying any words. It's called body language. Yeah. He, he, Tom Shaker, he's, he's been living with you guys for so long. <laughs> he's picked it up. I picked it up. We've all picked it up. It's your association. Right? But just see, you know, how important the face actually is. You know, we, we, and how we engage with the material, you know, with the material energy through the face. Smelling. Eating, right? speaking, but you know these. Although hearing is also one of the most important senses, and so they have their own directions, right? North and south, east, north, south, west. And also, you know, the rectum and the genital are also important. If they're not working properly, watch out. Right? It'll be a real pain. Huh? So all of these different elements of the body are important. And even, you, you know, you find on some occasions that the hearing is considered to be the most important. Right? Because, you know, the sight, the smelling, the tasting give us a, an impression of, you know, of the, of, of the creation, if you like. But through the ears, we can learn of things that we can't see, smell, 
taste. Right? We can hear information of the spiritual world. We hear all of the information about the material world. So, uh, uh, the Okay, let's just read on, shall we? Because the, the purports are not very. And we can finish here now, but let's keep going. Kadyata Kadyota Vimuki Chatra Metrisi Katranirmite Rupa Vibrajitam Tavyam Vichaste Chakshusheshwaraha the two gates named Kadyota and Avirmukhi, which have been spoken of, are the two eyes side by side in one place. The eyes. The town named Vibrajita should be understood as form. Why is form important to the eyes? Why is form important to the eyes? In this way, the two eyes always engage in seeing different kinds of forms. And, and you know, uh, being able to distinguish between one and another is a function of the eyes. Um, in the various forms. Purple, the two eyes are attracted by brilliant things like light. Sometimes we find that little insects are attracted by the brightness of fire and thus enter into it. Mm. Papa describes the material energy as being like fire, very attractive. But when you enter into it, you're burnt up. And thus, enter into it. Similarly, the two eyes of a living entity are attracted by bright and beautiful forms. They are entangled in these forms as the, exactly as the insect becomes attracted to fire. Whoa. And, and, you know, this is why people dress up. In fact, that's what they're recommending. You know, if you're stuck at home, then, you know, and you're lacking entertainment, look in your wardrobe. And then dress up. I guess then, you know, take a selfie and share it with your friends on Facebook or whatever. Instagram. Huh? Is what people do to sh show off, right? To show off, here's who I am, but you know, it's so ephemeral. But we're attracted by those ephemeral forms, and especially when they're bright and, and uh, you know, attractively decorated. The eyes are attracted to that. 
bright and beautiful forms. But it's all illusion. Yeah, the material energy has great power, huge, enormous power to create these forms which are temporary and so therefore illusory. And, and we become completely absorbed in them. This is why the eyes, in one sense, you know, they have to be controlled. Uh, is that the senses of a sita dhir muni are controlled. Prabhupada explains, Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, that the senses are like servants. And they want to they want to do their own thing. They want to be engaged in all sorts of activities, whatever they see. And, and in fact, modern modern uh, uh, multimedia, social media, mass media exploits the citizenry because they have uncontrolled senses, right? And they're always dishing up images that are attractive to uh, impel us to engage our senses with the objects of the senses. And usually, you know, we're encouraged to um, spend money um, being attracted by the imagery of the of Marketing effectively, that's what it is. And, and you know, anything that can be sold will be accompanied usually by a, a scantily dressed woman. Right? Even, you know, I remember uh, when we were selling um, candles and paintings and whatever it was, we, we used to go into the pubs and into the, the commercial and the manufacturing areas as well, into the workshops. And you know, you see the car parts, right? There's nothing attractive about, you know, a, a, a clutch plate that goes in the gearbox of a car, right? But what it says, what do they do to sell a gearbox, a clutch plate for a gearbox, which is not sexy at all? They have a woman with a bikini next to it. Right? And you know, what's the, 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 the uh, theory of this is not very complicated. Right? Men can be attracted by the form of a woman. Right? This is just, this is just, this is. Uh, it's not rocket science and it's taken advantage of. Uh, so this is why the eyes, in one sense, they're important, but at the same time, the images that the material energy creates are temporary and so therefore illusory, but that doesn't necessarily detract from the power of the material energy to attract the senses. Uh, you have to be very careful, that's why uh, the devotees are uh, trained to see the forms of the Lord. Right? 
and understand and appreciate the eternal, the eternal nature of the spiritual form and the temporary nature of the material form. Right? Otherwise, what happens? We become absorbed in the material forms and we, we become completely engrossed and engaged with those external forms. Because the um, one, instead of seeing with the material eyes, one has to start seeing with the with spiritual eyes, and that spiritual vision is shastra chakshush, right? To see with the eye of shastra. This is, this, is, this is why we um, regularly, why it's recommended that we read Shiva Prabhupada's books. Because the, the way that the devotee sees the world is different. It's completely different to the way that the materialists views the forms of material nature. The devotee has to see everything from a spiritual perspective. Otherwise the material energy will just gobble us up. You know, the, even for a devotee, the senses are going to be attracted to the objects of the senses. Right? The eyes will be naturally attracted to the forms of material energy, even for a devotee. You know, there's an anecdote where uh, Srila Prabhupada was left alone in a room by one of his disciples with an attractive woman. A young woman, of course. You know, Prabhupada was in his 70s. And so even a 30 or a 40 year old woman would be much younger than him. And his disciple left him. thinking, um, you know, and then Prabhupada chastised him, why did you leave me here with this young woman? Not healthy for a sannyasi to be alone. And Prabhupada made a comment, I'm not sure if this is exactly the same occasion, but Prabhupada said, you know, I can speak to the difference between having an attractive woman. It's not that the devotee, you know, just always sees things from a transcendental perspective. There's also the material 
perspective, right? We're all in material bodies, we have material senses, and so we'll go, and, and this is our teacher being our being tattva. We need to be able to see on a spiritual platform, but that doesn't negate the material environment in which we live and the power of the material energy to over, override our spiritual perspective. No? This is why hearing and chanting and study of the Shastra is important for the devotees so that we can override the material in which is a default right? and be able to see the substrata of spiritual energy working. Right? The, the, the Bhagavatam is quite just like here, the Bhagavatam is explaining how the material energy works. Right? How the body functions and the various features. Right? And so when we absorb our consciousness in this viewpoint of everything around us, that'll over override our default boom, there's an attractive lady. Right? We need to be able to see from a spiritual perspective that okay. The material energy is making one presentation here's what's actually going on. Right? To my Krishna was described it once here in Melbourne, he said he was at the airport and he saw a very attractive young girl. But then in the same, you know, in the next moment he saw a very old, shrewd up lady. Right? And so he says, I was able to see almost simultaneously the workings of the material energy. Right? One minute we're very attractive, the next minute all, all you know, wrinkled and shriveled up. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, and not attractive. And not attractive. Right? So you can see the, the working of time the time factor and the power of the material. In one minute, it's all like, whoa! And then the next minute, yeah. uh, you know, Papa tells a story of liquid beauty. <laughs> uh, liquid beauty. It's all very temporary and ephemeral. Powerful. But it's powerful. It is powerful. The material energy is so powerful that even despite the best intelligence and the greatest discrimination, still it has you know, this power to over, overcome, override, and usually through the eyes, right? what we see. So why we need to, why we need to, and why in that sense the ears are important because we can hear the Transcendental sound vibration. And here the topics like the Srimad Bhagavatam. And in one sense, the, 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 it's interesting actually, with reading books, we're actually using eyes. Right? But actually, it's the form of the sound vibration that we're absorbing through our eyes. This is why the, the book. Is worshipable because it is the it is the like the deity form of of the words of the instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. 
and the previous Jairus and the and the, the, um, the, um, uh, the Mahajans, right? The Mahajans is what we get through the, the Bhagavatam, especially Narayana is is speaking, right? So um, the eyes are used to then absorb that sound vibration very subtly, right? Subtly, very subtle, but powerful. It's extraordinarily powerful. So that we're able to then see everything from the material perspective, but see the substrata of the spiritual energy working. Right? Because that's what's going on. Effectively, underneath all the working of the material energy is ultimately the spiritual energy. Actually, it's not material. It's just when it's seen separated from Krishna. Right? And, and that's why studying the Shastra is so important because with that vision, we, all, we, we instead of seeing things as Krishna's separated energy, we start to see the connections again. Right? We see it connected to Krishna. And of course, that's the vision of a devotee. A devotee is able to see, or, or, or yeah, a devotee, uh, uh, a, uh, a, a sadhu, is able to see everything in relationship with Krishna. Right? So rather than seeing with the material eyes, and of course we need to see with the material eyes, and we will see the material forms, we have to. But the, uh, the consequence of seeing the deities Especially studying, you know, studying the Shastra gives us the ability to see through the veil of material energy and see Krishna working within everything. That's the that's the plan. Right? That's the that's the purpose of studying the Shastra and why this study of the Shastra is so important. Otherwise, uh, we'll just become a materialist again, by, by, by the influence, by the power of the material energy. Exceptionally powerful. Okay, does anybody have any comments or questions? Gentlemen. Hare Krishna. Um, why is it that even for a devotee uh, and have a trained intelligence, why is it that we still sometimes fall yeah. We are conditioned. Conditioned souls. And so, um, habituated, we have habits. Huh? And um, there may be, there will be, there are, for each of us, um, different. Uh, Combinations of the objects of the senses that will stimulate a particular response. That we're just so habituated to responding in that way that we haven't learned yet to break that the, the, the cycle of you know um, 
circumstance and then response. We're just conditioned for that response. We need to catch the point where we, the, the point where we make the decision to act. And, and, and the, because we're conditioned, we respond or we react according to that habit, previous habits, previous conditionings. Right? And that's why the hearing of the Shastra is so important because it, it, it enables us to, to distinguish that point at which we make the decision unconsciously. We need to become conscious of the fact that we're making those decisions. Does that make sense? We do it unconsciously. We've got to break the cycle and be aware of the fact that we're responding to certain stimuli in a conditioned way. And that we have choices. We can respond in a different way. Right? So it's in that, that moment of decision making where we need to catch the habit and then break it. Says, says he. This is me speaking theoretically here. But that's why we need to study the Shastra, because at least the Shastra will give us a theoretical understanding. And then eventually, by hearing often enough, and, and by good association, good company, and by practice, right, this is why we're sadhikas, by practice we learn to cultivate the appropriate responses to the various engagement stimuli or the various settings and engagements that we'll find ourselves in uh, invariably responding to and in ways that we think we realise later that's not the right way to respond. So we've got a for, you know self-realisation sometimes means uh, uncovering our faults and becoming aware of them before we're then able to deal with them. Right? We need to be become conscious of the fact that I'm making mistakes. Most, most people, well, uh, speaking for myself, you know, I walk around thinking I'm perfect. Right? Most people do. It's hard to live with yourself when you know that you're not perfect. It's painful. You've got to do something about it, right? So we like to walk around, and this is this is the cheating propensity. We have these four defects, huh? and you know the, the the worst one is cheating because we're not perfect, but we think we are. We cheat ourselves actually, and then in the process try to cheat others. So. Um, Part of self-realization, and it's anatomy in one sense, it's, it's the stage of realizing one's imperfections, right? Realizing what they are, analyzing them, discussing them with the to work out what is the appropriate response for me in this situation? How should I be responding to this situation? Why am I responding in the way that I do? Huh? Am I envious of others? Well, yes, probably. Mm. Huh? Why does why does why is my response what it is in these circumstances? 
why is it inappropriate? And often, you know, it falls on our mentality. Yeah, yeah. So it requires introspection to deal with that. Right? And then practice. And we may not get it right every time. Right? But if we maintain the humility and the sense of purpose, and you know, this could be this could be grinding on a devotee because you know we're working with anatas that have been accumulated after many, many lifetimes. And they don't go away very quickly. Right? And the pain of having to deal with that can become a burden for the devotees. They think, I've been chanting Hare Krishna for all of these years and I'm still an idiot. <laughs> but, no, but what happens is then they start to blame the process. They lose faith in the process because they don't stick at it strictly. But Prabhupada says the process of bhakti is automatic. But, you know, sticking to the process is not so easy. It's not so easy. It requires a lot of hard work. Right? And even then, still, the anatas, still, the smell of the anatas still remains. So, one has to be tolerant and patient and uh, forbearing. Uh, forbearance is required. But we're now high tech. But the Pete wants us to also take questions from people who are at home. Hey, how are you going to do that? They're going to have to dial us up on Skype or something. Because <laughs> it's live on YouTube, we could be on YouTube and they can just comment on YouTube. Comment on YouTube, yeah. Someone's got to have YouTube on with the sound off. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise it feeds back. You know, you know. <laughs> In the lecture, in the starting of the lecture, you said they are stita dirbuni. Stita dirbuni, yes, stita Fixed intelligence. Fixed intelligence. Yes. And you also said the bunis are the ones who have different opinions. They're not stita dirbunis. <laughs> There's a difference between the two. Okay. The, the, the stita dirbuni is fixed in his bhakti, in his service to Krishna. The regular bunis have a different philosophy. Well, they have a different presentation, each one of them. A different point of view that make them a, a real movie as such. So can you say the devotees of Mahakrishna Krishna they are the Sitani Munis? Yes. And look at the sages of Atnamashirana. And look at the sages that came to the bank of the Ganga when Maharaj Parishit was preparing to die. And there were thousands, tens of thousands of moonies and rishis came. 
And one of the reasons, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why Sukadev Goswami gave so many instructions on so many different topics was to attract all of the various groups of thinkers right? and address addresses so many points of view because he's addressing all of the varieties of philosophy in the minds of the sages and the Hunis that had come to witness Maharaj Guruji's um, um, departure. Right? And so there's so many different viewpoints being expressed by Sukadev Goswami, addressing all of the various philosophers or philosophies that were present in the, all the wishes and sages that were there. Because not all of them were devotees. Right? And we know from the presentations given in the Puranas, especially the Bhagavatam, how there's all of these varieties of philosophies. Right? So a Muni is distinguished, Prabhupada says, because he has a different philosophy or a different theory. Right? But uh, the devotee is the real Muni in the sense of a thinker, right? somebody who thinks. And how does he think? He thinks, how can I serve Krishna? That's his thinking. Right? That's, his, that's his distinguishing character. And, and um, so that's the kind of loony that Krishna is recommending we be. That our thinking is not to be different from everybody else. That our thinking, and will naturally be different because each one of us has our own personality. But with the devotees, we uh, all think of our service to the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, but at the same time, also, we manifest our individuality, our personality. We all kind of think the same, but are still individuals. Right? We still maintain our individuality and our personality. Right? So, yes, Mooney, be a Mooney, but a sweeter dear Mooney. And you still have your personality, you still have your identity. And you, you know, Prabhupada encourages us to think about our philosophy. He actually encourages mental speculation, right? But mental speculation based on Shastri principles, not the mental speculation of, oh, I think this or I think that. But the thinking is based on the statements that we observe in the Shastra. And you know, very often there are contradictions. Right? Just like, you know, there's always this debate on Ram Murphy. What time are we going to break the fast? And is it going to be a grand feast? Right? What is it going to be? And even 
Srila Prabhupada says that we should observe it like it's Gopunima. Right? Prabhupada says it in his letters. Yet, when Srila Prabhupada himself celebrated Dhananami, what did he do? He never followed that advice. He observed it with a half day fast and a grain feast. Huh? You know that? <clears throat> so we, you know, and, and the, the, the SAC, the Shastrik Advisory Committee recommends that the devotees celebrate these events after following the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada so that the uh, devotees are engaged in the the the, 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 ele- the essential elements of a Hare Krishna festival, which is Kirtan, right? A celebration of um, ritual, we could say, right? So Abhishek, right? Darshan. See, special dressing of the deities, um, Abhishek, a class or a lecture on the importance of the occasion with a philosophical understanding of what's, you know, what's going on. And then, and, and usually that's done after or around about the time of the appearance of the particular person that's being celebrated. And then what happens? Feast. Yeah, a feast. Right? What's a what's a Hare Krishna festival if there's no prasadam? How many of us would go? <laughs> right? And if we if we serve up weird, you know, we serve up weird prasadam. Right? Well, what's that? Right? You know, we only have say a shovel down the kitchen. <laughs> it's kind of like, what? One of the things that attracted me to Christian consciousness was the shower. You know, I was into philosophy and I liked the Chinese Christian, but when I had my first samosa, I thought, wow, this is it. But even then, I had, then after the semester, they gave me a good one job and I started out. I just thought, what? What is that? That was such a, an attack on my, my senses <laughs> that I'd never had before. I was like, this thing is so sweet. Uh, but, you know, when I, when I, um, had that, my friends had gone to the temple for Gopinath Puja and um, they brought home the samosas and gulo and other things, you know, and I ate the samosas because I, I was already a vegetarian at that stage, right, and was cooking primarily Indian dishes because yeah, there were only 
there were, uh, from memory, this is 1978, there were only two cookbooks, legendary cookbooks that I could find in the whole of Adelaide. Uh, and I've, even, I've still got one of them, it's called the Yogi Cookbook. <laughs> a little yellow book. And uh, I used to cook. And I never, I've never, I hadn't been introduced at that point to Indian cooking. Although we used to go to a, there was a restaurant in Adelaide called the Simone Hut. And it was vegetarian, right? And we used to go there. That's where I got introduced to some cheese and different things. And cheese. But then when I met Taste of the Shadow, I thought, wow. You know, this is where uh, if philosophy fails, Prashada wins. <laughs> yeah. And that keeps you steeped in the air. Right? Prashada keeps us fixed. So, you know, you may have had the biggest struggle of your life getting through Mongolati, turning around, greeting the deities at the Bhagavatam class. Right? The biggest struggle of your life. But then when it comes to breakfast, everything is resolved. All contradictions are resolved. <laughs> Eating uh, Gyana Samudra's offering. <laughs> <laughs> All the philosophical conundrums of the Bhagavatam class are put aside. <laughs> and it's Prasad Sevaya. Kali Rajina Jai, we control the tongue and the mind. Okay, congratulations, Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.